welcome to the ID Talk podcast. My name is Peter Counter, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Fine Biometrics and Mobile ID World, where we are celebrating our fall special event, Digital Transformation in the Enterprise. Presented in association with our premier converged security partner, ISC West, Digital Transformation in the Enterprise saw us exploring one of the most influential trends in biometrics through featured articles, product launches, and expert interviews. It all culminated in the ISC West 2020 virtual event where ID Talk co-host Susan Stover moderated an educational panel, Enabling Digital Transformation with Biometrics and Mobile ID. And that is what we are presenting today on this special episode of ID Talk. Susan is joined by BioConnect CTO and CISO Courtney Gibson, BioKey CEO and Chairman Mike DePasquale, and Iris ID Business Development Manager Tom DeWinter in order to discuss fraud threats facing businesses as they rush to enable digital transformation safely and how biometrics and mobile ID technologies will enable it. It's a fascinating conversation that delves into some of the most critical identity and access issues facing businesses of all sizes, and I know you're going to love it. So without further ado, here is the ISC West panel, Enabling Digital Transformation with Biometrics and Mobile ID, right here on ID Talk. Hello everyone, I'm Susan Stover, VP of Digital Content here at Find Biometrics and Mobile ID World. And welcome to, today, to today's panel, uh, Enabling Digital Transformation with Biometrics and Mobile ID. Before we get started, I wanted to give a little background on the topic. As organizations adapt to new technologies that cater to the accessibility and convenience demands of modern users, businesses are embracing mobile channels, IoT, artificial intelligence, and automation. Friction has become the new F word as a smooth user experience has taken priority, bringing with it better customer and employee satisfaction with lower administration costs. But as all, we all know, this push for digital transformation has expanded the fraud attack surface. Over 15 billion credentials are currently on sale in the dark web, according to a recent digital shadows report. And fraud's been steadily on the rise for in recent years with research from Javelin Strategy showing that account takeover fraud has increased 72% year over year in 2019. Meanwhile, the front door has become a bottleneck for businesses given the COVID-19 pandemic response measures, including physical distancing, mask wearing and wellness declarations. Indeed, the pandemic has accelerated the remote working mobile first trends that have been already gaining momentum in the last five years. And just as it was in 2019, the answer to security challenges of digital transformation is strong authentication powered by biometrics and mobile ID. For nearly a decade, mobile authentication and biometric technologies have been helping forward thinking businesses stay safe and secure during digital transformation, and these solutions have evolved on their way to eliminate passwords, pins, tokens, and improve security, both in physical and digital spaces. Now, now it's time for not just high-tech companies that are looking for identity and authentication solutions, it's everyone adapting to the unique challenges of today. And the core of that digital transformation is user identity and authentication. Biometrics and mobile ID technologies are bridging the gap between physical and digital spaces, enabling stronger security, greater accountability, and a more efficient workplace ready to tackle whatever the new normal holds. And that's what we're here to talk about today. It's my pleasure to introduce our panelists, 
Courtney Gibson, CTO and CISO BioConnect, Mike DePasquale, Chairman and CEO of BioKey, and Tom DeWinter, Manager of Business Development of Iris ID. So I'd like to start our panel today by starting off with my first question, which is, what are the greatest fraud and security threats facing enterprises right now in the fall of 2020? Courtney, why don't we start with you? Thanks, Susan. I think really in my mind, it comes down to um, three main uh, tranches of concern. One is, one is working from home. Um, uh, the second is that leaves some empty offices. And, and then the third really is dollar constraints that businesses are facing. And I think uh, you know, each of those has its own set of problems. With, with people working from home, there's not only just uh, a need to understand the identity of the people who are connecting to your systems and, and working remotely, but um, we have all very rapidly across the enterprises had to, over the last few months, ingest a lot of new technology to support that. I think we're all still catching up in some areas on understanding how that's changed our security borders and our security footprint of the enterprise. Um, and because people are working from home, there is more intellectual property in flight now than I think has ever been uh, as people have to share documents, ideas, have conversations, uh, do e-signatures, uh, you know, do, do their jobs from places that uh, aren't necessarily uh, where they would have been doing them inside a protected building a, a number of months ago. So um, that's certainly changing. I think, you know, as people work from home, obviously offices are a little bit emptier now that increases security risk. but um, as people start to return to work, there's there's concerns around health, health screening, you know, friction points that now show up in the enterprise. Elevators can't run as full. Uh, perimeters are moving out to the sidewalk even more in terms of um, keeping uh, uh, keeping unauthorized people uh, outside of the building, and you know that puts visitor management uh, pressure on. It puts pressure on deliveries and loading docks. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, and finally, all around that are, are dollar concerns where uh, people need to be concerned about the money they're spending on security guards and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, variable uh, supplier-based costs to their businesses and, and need to get data to support that, uh, those decisions and make sure they're making the right trade-offs in, in how security is coming together. So I think, you know, th there's a whole spectrum of challenges from, from desktops at home to uh, to hallways and, and loading bays that we're we're all facing. Tom, what about what about you? Uh, Courtney has some good comments here. I think right now, to be quick, I think the the different level of the people and how they're being affected throughout the one the United States and globally right now is is a big concern. Some are being affected quite a bit, and some aren't at all. But I would say the number one thing that comes to mind now is that everybody is being coming familiar with this word called the cloud, which only a small percentage of people were really familiar with it early on. Now everybody knows the cloud, if you will, but the cloud, if the cloud is penetrated right now, you're going to affect everybody, no matter what's, what level of spectrum they are using any kind of digital transformation. So I think if you look at all the different levels, every single one of them is somehow touching some kind of cloud infrastructure now. And so I think that's probably what keeps awake. Some of the people who really are looking at this from a, a very high level um, angle down, if you will. So that's one of my biggest things because the cloud penetration or security on that will certainly have uh, ripple effects through all kinds of applications. And Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, a lot of good comments from uh, Tom and uh, Courtney as well. Surely work from home 
is a dynamic that's impacted virtually every enterprise uh, that has the capability to be able to, again, support remote work. Uh, but the second dynamic, I believe, is the fact that more and more people are working from home or have been forced home, given that may have, many have been furloughed or have lost their jobs. Uh, E-commerce in general has spiked dramatically uh, over the last four months. Uh, and as that has spiked, obviously more and more people are uh, transacting from an e-commerce perspective on computers from home and in particular mobile devices. Uh, and that in and of itself creates a whole different level of security risk and, oppor and opportunity uh, for uh, e-commerce type retailers and retailers. So uh, that is kind of the second component. And I, I think that in general, uh, we're going to see uh, as they write the book, you know, post COVID, uh, we're gonna see that uh, all of these things ultimately created uh, a lot of risk for sure, but they also generated a lot of revenue uh, and, and business uh, for uh, many companies, again, on the retail side uh, that had the good fortune to have transformed their businesses through digital transformation over the past couple of years to support it. And uh, now that we've identified these different threats, what, what are different ways that biometric security and mobile ID technologies are being applied to address these threats? Uh, Tom, why don't we start with you? Sure, well, obviously authentication is key and we were able to skate along the surface for many years and authentication came from you know, a, a credential, a driver's license, for instance, that we ended up realizing was not as secure as people thought. And different levels of different authentication have been used for so many years across so many different platforms that eventually, obviously everybody has come to realize that these IDs are not very secure or they can be replicated, especially with all this transformation to the digital platform. So the biometric and tying a, a token to actually um, what somebody is, has become paramount where it was used in simple applications years and years ago. Now it's being used to log in to uh, perform that e-commerce transaction in some applications as uh, Mike said as well. So tying that biometric, whether it be um, the finger, face, iris um, that I work in or vein or, or gate is, is just another layer and I'll be a very strong layer to create or create and generate that authentication. Mm -hmm. And Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree 100% uh, for sure. Uh, biometric authentication, especially in, uh, in what we just discussed, work from home uh, or uh, in the context of uh, e-tailing and transactions for a retail purchase are critical and important. But the only way that you can positively identify an individual that's behind a device whether again that be a computer or you know a handheld uh, mobile device is really a biometric uh, tokens, cards, keys, pins, you know all of those things that we've used for years that we continue to still use today uh, really don't differentiate between uh, any individual that's behind that device. And so biometrics are really the only way uh, to do that, and uh, to do that 
especially now again in, in this COVID venue where um, employees for the enterprise are accessing all of the corporate backends, mostly in the cloud, but it could be, again, VPN through to on-premise applications. The only way that we know it's not a proxy or someone else doing their work or, uh, you know, for example, a relative or a friend uh, is a biometric. It's really the only way that we can assure that those individuals are who they say they are. And uh, Courtney? Oh, I, I, I think Mike and Tom have, have covered it well. I think um, I, I, I agree. I think COVID, um, COVID has been an accelerant of, of a lot of, uh, of change. And I think, um, you know, exactly to, to echo Mike's point, I think people are um, changing rapidly their views of um, the, the difference in safety that's brought about with biometric identification versus simply identifying things. We need to identify people if we're going to build trusted transactions. Um, so I think it's accelerated a shift uh, towards an understanding of the importance of biometrics you know, in, in the enterprise security space. I think it's accelerated an adoption even within the consumer um, areas. People have been moving into that online e-commerce and sort of changing, uh, changing shopping habits. And um, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm also seeing questions come in from customers where um, now that they have trusted identity sitting in some of these you know, logs and systems, um, there's really, uh, there's really a desire then to use that um, identity as well, not, not just simply as a, a gateway measure to let people in or, uh, you know, check, check when people are exiting, but um, to use it not just as a perimeter, but a view into the in, into your whole ecosystem and see how are people moving and transacting and, and dealing through the day uh, in order to make more informed decisions about how we're spending dollars, how we're building security, how we're uh, uh, how we're building our environments for people to uh, to work in, whether they're virtual environments or, or real environments. So, uh, seeing a lot of applications for for data analytics increasing as well to uh, sharpen efficiency and sharpen spend. Uh, you know, in addition to sort of the, the gateway parameters that we, we tend to see biometrics used for. And how do biometrics and strong identity change the relationship between businesses, their employees and their customers? And how do organizers implementing this new technology ensure a smooth transition through digital transformation for users? Mike, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I, for sure. I, I think Courtney started to, to go here. The relationship between uh, the individual, uh, the consumer, the customer, and the enterprise gets dramatically stronger as we have trust and we have a binding you know, identity that that company can count on and that that individual can count on as it relates to uh, a consummation of a transaction or access to you know, that particular company. So I think that's absolutely critical. And for sure, uh, the recent, the past six months uh, have created an acceleration for most technology companies, most e-tailers uh, to ensure they have that binding, you know, digital identity. And so we're seeing more and more uh, opportunity for biometrics that, again, create, as we just discussed, the only way to create that positive you know, identi identification or that positive binding trust is really that biometric. And it doesn't really matter 
what biometric mode, uh, it's biometrics in general. Uh, so that, that to me is the way that relationship is gonna change. And that creates another, it, it could create incremental opportunity, right? For businesses, it creates incremental opportunity for the consumer and the business user uh, to have less friction. And, and you know, it's all about friction, right? Because, uh, uh, and just to regress a little bit, when we talk about biometrics, uh, by the way, passwords are very, very secure. Uh, if there are 12 characters and they use, you know, all kinds of special characters and caps and, you know, and under, underscores and so forth, they could be very, very safe, especially if they're kept private and changed every two weeks. The problem is that, you know, we have 100 passwords that we now use on a daily basis and we can't change them, we can't remember them, we use them over and over again and all that other stuff. So it, it's, it's not just about security, it's about ease of use, friction, and the relationship um, gets better as it's easier to, again, communicate back and forth uh, with a positive and trusted identity. And uh, Courtney, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think fundamentally the, you know, what, what it comes down to is the, the higher the level of trust between, um, between consumers and an enterprise or between enterprises and employees, the, the higher the level of trust exists, the higher the value of a transaction you can safely conduct. And I think, you know, as the um, expectation uh, has accelerated for business and, and transactions to move online, um, Consumers are now feeling and and demanding closure of some gaps where, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, where where we simply haven't you know the the old uh, uh, you know some of the older security models around uh, you know <clears throat> ink based signatures on paper and uh, you know in person business uh, you know is uh, is is quickly showing it can't scale to um, address the needs of, of people that need to be able to. Uh, you know, work at a distance or, or work differently or conduct business internationally without being able to, you know, fly, uh, fly between countries or even between cities. Um, so I, I think um, uh, we're going to see more and more high value transactions um, <clears throat> taking place online. Uh, that's going to require higher trust to facilitate it. And absolutely biometrics are, are, are the way to, uh, uh, the way to get there. And, and I think, um, you know, the good news is there are already a lot of technologies that people are using today um, that, uh, that can be bridged together and, and sort of create that ecosystem without introducing a lot of new tools and a lot of new PII and a lot of new templates floating around. So I'm, you know, I'm intrigued to see how the industry responds with um, leveraging existing tools that are out there in order to uh, create more security without creating larger pockets of uh, uh, you know, I, either new tools or, or uh, you know, uh, pockets of, you know, more PII and more templates and more, uh, uh, more private information sitting around in order to accomplish that. Mm. And, and Tom? Well, I think those are all great. I would, I would add, too, that it's trying to see a faster transformation of where the businesses, the customers, and the employees, and everybody else, the peripheral, all has to come into this trust circle 
which, you know, in the olden days and, and, and Mike, Courtney, and I have been around doing this for some time now and many years, the decision was made by the business of the corporation for a couple of secure areas, perhaps in one area, or it was a one particular type of area for a facility. Now what you're seeing is that trust circle and the authentication and the PII and the human resources side and the human capital management side of, of companies has to bring in the employees, the customers, and um, anybody who delivers to the facility, anybody who comes into the facility, anybody who uses point of sale at the facility. So um, that's expanded the use now of these biometric solutions, certainly. Um, but of course, they, they open up um, you know, some extra paperwork to be done and, and HR teams have to learn a little bit more about this than they did in the past. And you're seeing a merge now between the uh, security, physical security people and the um, HR security teams and the HR employment and onboarding teams. So uh, there's a bigger world now looking into this in more detail. And how do you expect that digital and physical security spaces to evolve in the coming years, given the industry factors that we discussed today? Courtney? Um, I think on the on the digital side, I, um, I you know I I agree with Mike's point. I think you know passwords can be made to be safe. Um, I I think I um, but there's a real challenge in that, right? I, I think just um, uh, the we've all seen the statistics on you know the the number of stolen identities and and leaked passwords and. Uh, um, and, and the problem is that you know we, we conduct a lot of uh, secure business on an assumption that some secret that I have is going to remain secret. And, and the problem is that those secrets need to be distributed in order for you to conduct uh, business with with the person on the other end of the line. Um, and you know rather than secret-based authentication, I think in the digital world we're going to see an acceleration of biometric-based authentication to. Um, try to positively identify the people on the other end of the transaction. So I think in the digital space, uh, I, I see a, uh, an accelerated future for biometric adoption there. Um, on, the, on the physical side, I think um, it's, you know, I think this, this may be one of these uh, factors that's, that's going to be uh, rolled out sort of at different speed in different geographies because some places I think are already here, but uh, you know, if I look around buildings in, in Canada, if I look around buildings in, in smaller cities in the U.S., uh, you know, there's not the presence of turnstiles at the uh, at the sidewalk and you know, sort of immediate physical barriers when you get into larger office spaces. Um, we're going to have to change uh, for you know for health and security reasons. I think buildings are going to push um, uh, security perimeters out to the outside, which means then you need to start dealing with identity right at the curb for employees, for guests, for delivery people, for contractors coming in, um, and uh, you know trying to deal with that through you know white plastic access cards and, and that sort of thing doesn't scale either. So I think there's. Uh, there's a biometric role there as well for keeping friction low, security high, and, and ease of access up as well. So I think, I think those are the two main trends I see there. And Tom, what are your thoughts? I, I, I agree with that. I think we have, I've worked with companies and very large companies who all, you know, siloed a lot of this biometric authentication to one particular area and now they're dealing with it uh, right to uh, Courtney's point right at the the gateway to come in whether it's a um, you know a delivering company and whether it's an employee whether it's a consultant coming in that are all being looped into um, you know 
increasing the authentication and who they are. And so that means the biometrics roll out even further and further uh, across the whole organization. Um, and naturally then we have to look as, as an industry too, to how we make sure we secure these technologies and, and applications. Mm -hmm. And Mike, how do you expect the digital and physical security spaces to evolve in the coming years? Oh, I, I think it's gonna evolve uh, uh, significantly over the next uh, three to four years for sure. Where again, as we talked about before, a binding identity not only allows you access to all of the logical assets that you may um, be entitled to access, but also the physical uh, assets that you have, again, access to for sure. Uh, it makes sense. And the technology is mature enough today, particularly with biometrics, to be able to address both of those uh, in a very clean and succinct way. And so I think you're going to see the unification of logical and uh, physical assets uh, and security to access them uh, really come together much, much more quickly over the next few years than they have over the last 10. And what tools are out there to ensure privacy compliance? Tom? Well, I think you're seeing now the um, anything that was related, to, especially to the um, HR side and the, uh, for instance, the, the SHRM organization, Society for Human Resource, they have benchmarks, uh, the HIPAA compliance and healthcare people have benchmarks as well. And they're trying to get this, this head around or their head around these applications and what they can do with the biometrics and how they can leverage them to their favor. So I think that's still a market in an area where people are trying to figure out what they did in the past and what they can do in the future and how they can leverage that. So um, there's a lot of compliance uh, you know, laws that are now being passed, some of them being passed maybe a little bit too quickly, some of them not quick enough. I think all of us in the biometrics area are familiar with some of the state laws being passed now that a lot of them uh, really need to be looked at more carefully. Um, but it's, it's, a moving, uh, it's a moving solution right now. And uh, we're working to see what it can help. I'm very interested in hearing what uh, Courtney and Mike think on that as well. Yeah, Mike, Mike what are your thoughts? Well, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of legislation that's now being circulated. It's been happening over the last two years. Uh, things like BIPA, uh, the Biometrics Information Privacy Act, that's uh, going state to state. But more importantly, I think we can ensure privacy. We don't need legislation as much as we need opt-in. Uh, and, and to ensure that, uh, you know, as a company, as an entity, that if people are uncomfortable using that particular technology, they have the option to do something else, to go back to, for example, a traditional password or you know, a token or card or a key. Uh, so opt-in is one way that I think we can ensure that people are comfortable with this technology as it becomes more commonplace and will become more commonplace over time. Because I think once you get it and you realize biometrics can actually provide a greater level of privacy if managed the right way and managed appropriately. And there's a lot of fear and consternation out there that, you know, if uh, you enroll in a biometric solution that once you're enrolled, if it's compromised, uh, you know, your, your life is over. Uh, that is so untrue. Uh, and there's a lot of fear uh, that's being spread that's not appropriate as it relates to biometrics. 
but for sure, if you are concerned, uh, just opt out and uh, you'll see that that creates a level of friction that perhaps your colleagues don't have to go through to utilize or to access all of the solutions and systems and cloud applications that uh, are available. And uh, Courtney, you're shaking your head uh, quite a bit. With both. I am, yeah. I, and, I, um, and I think actually, I, I may just even take a step back on the question because it's, you know, I, I think it's implicit in this conversation, but I just want to draw it out. There is, you know, when we talk about biometrics, um, I think implicitly in this conversation, we've been talking about building trust, identifying people, creating security. Um, and I think it's important to acknowledge there is a spectrum of uses for biometric technology that range from sort of tracking and surveillance uh, you know, applications through to trust binding. And I think what we have been talking about here is using positive bound identity to make sure that we're conducting safe transactions um, with employees, with customers, you know, you know, securing buildings and data. Um, and in my mind, I think there, there is a lot of emerging legislation around biometric uh, use. And I, I think a lot of, to be frank, in my mind, what's driving that is um, some of the surveillance and, and tracking applications of biometrics versus the security and trust binding end of biometrics. And, and it's um, probably important, uh, just even discussing sort of privacy and compliance, um, I, I think those are two very different baskets. Um, I think, you know, within, in either realm, I think you, you have a bit of a biased panel here. I think my, my colleagues have also been working hard for years to, to build um, secure sort of privacy sensitive systems. Um, the, um, and, and I think though, there is an acknowledged reality that we need to be careful as we're connecting systems and we are um, uh, extending out the, the borders of what we're building. There, there have been some good and, and some not so great examples of, um, you know, how people are uh, exposing and sharing PII in the course of, you know, offering up APIs and connection points uh, between systems. And um, I think as an industry, we do need to be careful and ask questions about where is data living and where are we sharing it and how are we uh, how are we centralizing core identity components while still building trust? And uh, um, I think that's something that we all need to continue to work on as we, as we build products out. Uh, so we are coming to, to, to the end of our time, but I just wanted to ask one final question and get kind of a brief answer from, from all of you is what advice do you have for organizations out there who are looking for converged security options right now? Mike? Well, for sure. Uh, Look at um, look at everything that uh, relates to a an all inclusive, as Courtney mentioned, solution that brings into play uh, privacy compliance uh, that meets the needs of not only your logical uh, access requirements but also your physical uh, access requirements. Uh, standards are really really important. And there's enough of really good material out there on quality and accuracy if it relates again to biometrics. Uh, for sure, there's a plethora of solutions. Um, there's a lot of really, really good quality biometric capability uh, out there. Look, do your research, uh, and for sure, look at it in, in a holistic or from a holistic perspective. Courtney? 
I think um, I think there's two trends that I would uh, you know that that I'm certainly following closely, and and I think um, you know one one is on the platform side. You know, how do you future-proof your um, uh, your technologies and look at uh, sort of digital physical convergence? I think there's a lot of interesting um, applications coming up to allow users to self-serve themselves in order to uh, and also in order to build better data for the enterprise by bringing together your digital systems and your physical systems um, so i think there's some unification technologies that are interesting um, and i think uh, you know there's also a lot of emerging technology looking at not just who are you but how are you in terms of um, uh, you know in terms of health status in terms of location and behavior i think there's uh, uh, there's interesting sort of layered technologies coming on um, as well that are uh, that I think are going to help future-proof uh, investments in platforms as you uh, as you build into them. And Tom, just to I think those are all great points. The, the uh, I would echo everything there said as well as say that there's a lot of companies out there doing different things. I would you know spend a little time vetting some of the companies. Ask for references. Don't be shy about. Um, starting a small project and dipping your toe in, uh, so to speak, to try a couple different um, modalities and, and applications, but look into uh, the backgrounds and ask for references and, and um, you know, be aggressive with that point too, because there are a lot of things out there that are still being better themselves. And if you're going to be a pilot project, uh, you're better off knowing it ahead of time than, than finding out behind. So, um, you know, that, that's always a very good model to follow. Well, Thank you all for answering my questions today and I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what the audience has to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so concludes our panel presented with ISC West and SIA Education. Thank you to our event partners for facilitating the discussion. Join in the festivities of ISC West 2020 and keep your finger on the pulse of the converged security market at iscwest.com. I would like to thank Courtney, Mike, and Tom for participating in this event, and thank you as always to my co-host Susan Stover for conducting the interview. Stay tuned to ID Talk as we continue these conversations of digital transformation in the enterprise, and stay posted to Find Biometrics and Mobile ID World for all your biometrics and digital identity news and thought leadership. Our podcast theme music is by Logamrad. I have been your host, Peter Counter. Thank you for listening to the ID Talk podcast. Mm -hmm.